Thunder Media. On Inside Motorsport today, we continue our look at the 2009 SWOT analysis of the sport and how 2009 and 2022 are in some ways different and still the same. I think back to when I was a teenager, a long time ago now, most young fellas had a love of cars. We tinkered with cars, we uh, customised them and all of that. Whereas teenagers today, the, the most that they work on their car is uh, connecting the Bluetooth. Peter Norton joins us again as we swat supercars from 2009. I hope you enjoy the chat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Winter, and we're joined this week by Peter Norton. Uh, Craig Ravel is going to ask Peter and myself to give us our view of what life like when people around supercars get the various opportunities, problems, and potential for this series in the future. Supercars in 2008 and 9 and their SWOT analysis and how in 2022 we look at the history. Weaknesses, and we'll kick it off, Tony, with it's a long season, difficult to sustain momentum. Now, remember, when I'm saying all these things, these are what supercars or were identified by supercars as their own analysis of their business. And even since 2009, the season's got longer, not shorter. Indeed. And, of course, there have been various talks over this uh, 10 or so year period about uh, going to condensing the se season, having a, you know, a short run, four or five events in a row, having a then gap and then coming back. So you're not trying to sustain people's interest, but get them to come in, in bursts. Um, you know, the strength of seasons uh, series like both AFL and NRL, is that every week you've got action coming. Um, from a time when there were literally a bye round where there would be no football action, that uh, both AFL and NRL have learnt their lesson. You've got to have something happening. You cannot just go to a blank weekend. And, of course, they've sustained that uh, interest in their series um, all year round from when they start. And they have, of course, a much shorter season than supercars try to maintain. Um, you know, this, this thing of having to go from uh, uh, February, March through to uh, December, it's a pretty tough ask to keep people interested and involved. It's certainly one that uh, no one succeeded, I think, yet in maintaining the interest levels there. Would you agree, Peter? Um, absolutely. I think it's a bit hard to compare 
uh, you know, football that uh, it's in a fixed stadium that uh, has the infrastructure there for you to go over and over and over. Whereas our, our motorsport calendar, you know, it's a mix of permanent and temporary circuits uh, and simply the cost of turning up and performing uh, makes it fundamentally very difficult to be there week in, week out. Uh, and uh, in the, the busy lifestyles that we all live now, uh, I'm not sure if the, the old-fashioned NASCAR model would really, really work. Uh, back in uh, 1999, I was a NASCAR fan uh, living in North America, and you get comfortable on a Sunday afternoon and you'd watch it for you know, four hours in a block, and you did nothing else. And that just doesn't fit anymore. Um, our appetite is for you know shorter, sharper uh, consumption of our sport. Um, and yeah, the, uh, I don't think it's a valid thing to be shooting for anymore. You've kept that little secret hidden, Peter. I didn't know you'd been a, a NASCAR devotee. That was a, that was a regular habit for you for a period. How long a period of time was that? Um, well, it was '98 and '99 living in North America. Um, it, it was the thing to do, but but ultimately I had to learn to turn it off because there were so many other things to do. Uh, and, of course, those races were every week and nearly every week it was a long, long race. Uh, yeah, that, that there's more to life than being uh, glued to the TV. Indeed there is. And in 2008, TV ratings for Supercars decreased by 9%. And that was noted that all free-to-air ratings had diminished. It was the start of certainly pay TV's expansion and also the start of different media delivery systems. But when you consider the importance of free-to-air, it's important, but it's not the end game for sports anymore, Tony. No, it's interesting because, of course, Australia is, not unique, but it's different to, to both North America, Europe, even New Zealand across the ditch, um, in that the take-up of pay TV is so much lower in this country. We have had for so long so much free-to-air television. The government had to introduce that uh, particular, oh, I can't remember the name of it is, but that particular um, anti-siphoning regulation. Anti-siphoning, thank you. Yeah, that anti-siphoning rule. So that you know, there were certain things like the Melbourne Cup and the Melbourne Test uh, and various other things that had to be on free to air. Um, so that's something that we were spoiled by for many years. In the same way, we used to have a really great climate. But, uh, nothing stays the same forever. Correct. Oh, absolutely correct. Uh, so much has changed. Uh, I, I took a couple of minutes to uh, Google what was happening back in two thousand and nine. Um, Oh, maybe it hasn't changed that much. Uh, swine flu started in 2009. Um, uh, thankfully, that didn't become a pandemic, but, uh, yeah, it was still a flu. Um, anyway, uh, that was a, a quick little tangent there. Yes, and one thing that supercars saw as a weakness was their relative position to AFL, NRL and cricket. And those three sports are still the big three. AFL nationally, cricket nationally, and most people would say cricket was one, AFL was two, NRL was three. Doesn't matter where you want to place those three, supercars is a ways behind. And with all of them, supercars is competing in their market at some point of their season. And, and of course, they've never really got any closer to them. 
Um, and it's because there wasn't uh, anyone took the imaginative jump of saying, um, let's go all free to wear or, you know, let, you know, we can't afford to lose our audience. Um, no one had that uh, bigger picture view. Um, and of course, that we know that when Tony Cochran was involved, he was the one that, that did succeed in getting those governments, you know, South Australia, Northern Territory, Queensland, got the governments involved so that there were those major events that happened in each of those states. Now, unfortunately, it doesn't seem to me that with the, uh, the recent purchase by the race group that um, there is that big thinker in there. Now, I may be wrong. As we all know, there appears to be no major public showing of what they're intending to do. It's yet to be seen as to how much they're going to have an involvement in talking to the public. Um, I, I'm not aware. Peter, are you as somebody who's been at more race meetings than I have? Um, I, I think that we have to come to grips with the fact that um, motorsport is a, a niche product uh, and uh, trying to bridge the gap with uh, the ball sports, um, our, our efforts are perhaps better invested in in leveraging the, our, our niche uh, rather than trying to be what we're not. Uh, and uh, I think back to when I was a teenager, a uh, long time ago now, uh, that most young fellas uh, were, had a love of cars. We tinkered with cars, we uh, you know, pu- uh, customised them and all of that. Whereas teenagers today, the, the most that they work on their car is uh, connecting the Bluetooth. Um, the world has changed. Uh, so it's, we're not going to be the mass appeal that we might have had in the 80s and 90s. Uh, so let's focus on our strengths uh, and, and be great within our niche. Peter, it's interesting because this, as I mentioned, is supercars reflecting on itself. And one of their weaknesses that they identified was their relationship with Ford, Holden and Big Pond, who was the the major sponsor at the time, and then their platform sponsor group, the execution and implementation of their relationships there. And this one really caught my eye, middle management's inability to service requirements. It's critical if you've got partners on board that you are giving them everything you promised and hopefully more. Yeah, I think that uh, that's a, a measure of, of management, isn't it? And, of course, uh, in, in the last dozen years, we've had a few different CEOs uh, and the supercars employee team isn't very big. Uh, so that they have to try to deliver quite a lot with a small team uh, and, and maximising uh, that, servicing those sponsors and their, their, their partners, uh, it's time-consuming, it's resource-consuming, and they haven't always got it right. Uh, and I think that remains something that uh, needs to be on, on their SWOT analysis all of the time, uh, something that they can always do better at. Tony, you've managed accounts. How often has a, a client said to you, I don't think we're getting value for money or I don't think we've got what we've promised? Um, unfortunately, it, it does happen more often than uh, you'd hope it would. Um, you know, one of the things, the strengths of supercars has been that they've generally, and I'd say, you know, eight out of ten times, run smooth events. Um, you know, we have, we can think back to the time at, say, Queensland Raceway, the opening round there back uh, in the 90s when the, the traffic was a screw-up. 
we can think of times when there hasn't been anyone turn up um, at some event. But generally speaking, particularly from the many years that supercars ran events itself, and they were running as many of six of the ten, say, or so um, that were that uh, were putting on, uh, were very successful events with you know decent sized crowds, a good return on investment. Um, but it's that thing where maybe there has to be a lot more flexibility in the way in which supercars runs events in future. Um, we know Shane Howard ran a very uh, good ship, and people like. Uh, uh, Kurt Zakzewski uh, was certainly able to put on great events like Newcastle was. Um, you know, there were detractors from it, but overall, those events, they really went very smoothly. And I think that has been one of the strengths, but I think it could be one of the weaknesses in the future with the series. Certainly, Bathurst is, is an important thing. The way in which Adelaide comes back this year is going to be vitally important for the series. One of the weaknesses identified, Tony, was functioning board. A high churn rate of directors, non-independence, and it was dot-pointed, conflict of interest, self-interest, attitude is historic. They don't have a seat on the table now, or they're certainly not an owner anymore. That's going to be one of the biggest changes between then and now. It certainly is, and it's one of the things that the teams have to learn to come to grips with. As we, you know, we've spoken to a number of them, the Rod Nashes of the world and um, Charlie Schmirkholz, learning to come to grips with their whole financing of the team, the whole way in which it's structured has had to change. As you say, they don't have a voice at the table. Um, is, is the return they're going to get going to be enough to justify the way in which they operate? And certainly sponsorship, as we've already seen, you know, is a large determining factor on how many cars there will be on the grid in future. It's great to see that the wild cards seem to be coming up on a regular basis. And uh, that obviously is a good indication that there is uh, some strength in the series still. Peter, what does a dysfunctional board normally mean to an organisation? Oh, how many hours have we got? Uh, uh, I, I have done the company director's course. I could bore you to tears for hours about the uh, the textbook uh, strengths and weaknesses of good boards. Um, yeah, I, I think it, it's uh, well understood that uh, a dozen years ago, uh, the board was full of people that uh, uh, they were there to vote for their own interest. Uh, they weren't a proper uh, governance board in the uh, the, the more textbook sense. Um, and really, there is a, a good opportunity now uh, to, to to build on these changes that those structural limitations have been uh, uh, been removed. But we've got a different kind of uh, uh, issue now, uh, and that is that the the interests of the different players uh, are not aligned. Uh, in some respects, the, the the teams want more money with lower operating costs, um, but the, the the supercars and and the board uh, they want to put on a, a bigger, more exciting show to to have uh, more sponsors and more viewers. Um, so they're pulling in different directions in some respects. Uh, so I think that uh, I th- the the governance arrangements will always remain tricky. Um, uh, the, the supercars probably want more and more events in more exotic locations. That the teams want to make sure that they're uh, remunerated appropriately for all of the travel and extra costs. Uh, it's always going to be a tricky one to get right, isn't it? Mm. And 
on the back of saying there was a high churn rate and non-independence of the board, they also identified as a weakness a lack of fundamental business approach to key decision-making because of divided responsibilities and diverse opinions of priorities, highlighted by the fact they said in inverted commas, no business plan. Without being uh, at that board table, it's hard to know what business plans they actually had. Um, but clearly from this analysis, they felt that uh, it wasn't uh, strong enough. Uh, the fact that they did launch into Car of the Future, uh, I think that tells us that they did have some vision uh, about what the future could uh, be. Um, but uh, yeah, the getting the board aligned with that that shared vision uh, of what the business should be, the, the, the strategic side, the risk management side. Um, and, and then a good board actually goes hands off. Uh, they, they mentor and coach the CEO, but, but you delegate to the CEO to go on and do it. But I, I suspect because of all of the uh, mixed interests at the board, there were plenty of people that wanted to control day-to-day decisions uh, or, or, or to tinker a little bit too much. Um, and when I suspect when they were told, no, 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 that's not your role as a board member, uh, that, that's where they got frustrated and, oop, let's bring in the next board member. And that high churn that, that you suggested, um, a lot of board members don't actually understand the role that they're supposed to be fulfilling. Yes, it's an interesting one that I think wasn't solved by telling them about it in 2009. But, Tony, the last weakness we were going to look at is motorsport and supercars' perception of having a blue-collar following, being rough, and, if you understand this, a black T-shirt mentality. What does that mean, to particularly to a sponsor or to new partners? The great unwashed, hey, we want lots more of them. Yeah, bring them on down. Um Certainly, motorsport has gone through a, a number of different cycles. And, uh, you know, if you go back to the uh, 1960s, certainly in the 70s, there was certainly a battler attitude about it. It became a bit more sophisticated, I suppose, in the 80s and 90s when there, the cigarette companies were there and lots of money was being thrown around. But um, it is an interesting thing to see where, um, we we know and still recognise that the sport has largely a, uh, a working class uh, persona around it. It is certainly not an elitist sport um, at the touring car level. Um, the people are seen as people who are regular Joes, the ones who who want to go out and buy the cars and and you know work on them and do them up and things like that. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Um, it is interesting and as to reflect on that uh, change in attitude about the Grand Prix and these F2, F3 things coming, that um, I'm just wondering if there has been a mindset change within Motorsport Australia, the organisation, that uh, they see their future as being more along those lines rather than the more elitist lines um, and uh, rather the, the working class lines of the touring car championship. Um, is it going to be feeding it back into the GT more refined uh, sort of way of looking at things? Peter, what does it mean to grow your business in that champagne set like the Grand Prix, as Tony was saying, compared to having your blue-collar roots? 
I, I think we have to realise we've got a, a two-track uh, style of, uh, of events. Uh, we've got the, the, the mega events, the Grand Prix, uh, Adelaide, Newcastle, uh, where there's concerts. Uh, it's uh, where the, the city comes alive and uh, it's about going there, having a drink and meals and uh, it's, it's a party. You just don't want to miss out. Oh, yeah, there's cars on the track. Um, and then you've got the other more traditional events, the, the, the Wintons, for example, where it's more of the hardcore fan um, that would be wearing a, a black T-shirt and probably an overcoat as well. Uh, and they're very different markets, aren't they? Uh, I don't think uh, we could sustain having the mega events uh, a dozen times a year. Um, and uh, if it was just the, the for the hardcores, um, the, the sport wouldn't reach the, the, the level that it has. But uh, I think you play your cards for, for, for different events in different ways uh, and maximise the opportunities that you've got. Uh, and I, th- I touched on it earlier that uh, uh, the, the younger generations coming through, uh, they just they don't love their cars the way that us older people did back in the day. Uh, so I think if you want to you know, really get them in, it is about the, the, the tourism event uh, and it's the broader event. And the good news is supercars are pretty good at that uh, with, with a lot of the events that they, they have promoted. Uh, so I'm not sure if I've answered your question uh, precisely, but uh, yeah, it's, it's different cards uh, that we got to play at different times. Well, it's certainly interesting, Peter. Thank you for joining us again on Inside Supercars. Thanks to everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's show. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.